You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Tuesday to you. J.J. Watt is not going to be a Buffalo Bill. He took the sunshine in Arizona and the payday that came with it to play for a middle school head coach and a pretender at quarterback over signing with the Buffalo Bills. Playing for a contender was not at the top of J.J. Watt's priorities with his next team. Now that I got that out of the way, we are going to talk pass rush today on this podcast. And believe it or not, this was always going to be the day that we talk about the pass rush and what options exist in free agency and the draft that the Bills could explore to improve this pass rush situation, which was not good enough last year. The Bills invested $51 million on its defensive line the most in the NFL and they got mediocre results from the pass rush. Let's get into some numbers real quick. The bills blitzed on 35.8% of the pass plays that they faced last season. The eighth most frequent in the NFL. The bills were very much a blitz heavy team. That's actually an increase from 2019. They're up almost 5% in blitz frequency comparing 2019 to 2020. So the Bills got mediocre results rushing the passer, and they blitzed a lot. Here's a very disappointing number. The Bills generated pressure on 22.2% of the pass plays that they faced Last season, that is 23rd in the NFL. We're talking basically bottom 25% of the league in pressure rate. They recorded 38 sacks, which was 15th in the NFL. So the Bills had a average to below average pass rush in totality when you consider the results in 2020. Disappointing, especially when you consider what they had invested in the group. They didn't have any one superstar guy, right? There's no Bosa or Garrett or, you know, Khalil Mack type player on this group, but they thought that by having an eight, nine man rotation would help make up that discrepancy from not having that bonafide star pass rusher. So returning and under contract for next year, as it stands, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, A.J. Epinesa, Daryl Johnson at defensive end. Trent Murphy's an expiring contract. I anticipate he'll walk. Jerry Hughes is still an effective player, getting up there in age, wondering when the drop-off's going to come. It hasn't happened yet. He's still really good pass rusher. But you have to be nervous about the long-term upside with Hughes. Mario Addison, I think we saw him hit that plateau. 
Very productive player the last, you know, five, six years in the league. About 33 years old now. You saw him become a less effective player last year. Daryl Johnson didn't take a step forward from year one to year two like I hoped he would. From a defensive end perspective, the clearest and easiest course forward for the Bills to have better edge rush is A.J. Epinesa getting better. And I thought he had a decent rookie season. Obviously, the weight stuff and the body transformation with A.J. Epinesa comes into play. Arrived around 280 pounds. Leslie Frazier said he got down to around 250, which was too light. Had to put weight back on. And so hopefully he can settle this out, figure out the right playing weight, and uh, be ready to execute next year because that's the easiest course forward is A.J. Epinesa taking a step forward and becoming you know a more impactful pass rusher. On the interior, I like what the Bills have in place. Ed Oliver, Quentin Jefferson, and Justin Zimmer, that's a really good trio of interior pass rushers. I'm really comfortable with that trio. I think where the Bills need help is on the edge, and that's where we're going to focus our discussion today. Coming up in segment two, we're going to talk free agency. Segment three, we're going to talk draft and the different options that the Bills can explore to improve this pass rush. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL seasons are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the new scores and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use our promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So let's talk free agency. The Bills, as I mentioned at the beginning of this show, are not getting J.J. Watt. He signed a two year, $31 million deal. That includes $23 million in guaranteed money from the Arizona Cardinals. Two years, $31 million. Average annual value of $15.5 million. Right there, I think we learned a lot about the Bills' intentions for free agency. They didn't beat the Cardinals' offer. You would assume, right? If they had a similar or better deal on the table, you would think J.J. Watt would have signed with the Bills. He didn't do that. So what should I cling to? What should make me believe that the Bills are going to make a big investment at defensive end if they weren't able or willing to match that deal that Arizona gave J.J. Watt. Several different sources have come forward on Twitter and said that the Bills were like number two in this race. They were right there, but Arizona bested their offer. So as we consider some of these options in free agency, remember they weren't willing, or it would appear that they weren't willing to give J.J. Watt 
two years, 31 million, 23 million guaranteed. Which affects my thinking when I consider the real options on the table for the Bills. I think naturally everyone wants to pivot from J.J. Watt to Von Miller. Well, first things first, Denver would have to release Von Miller, which is totally possible. They have Bradley Chubb and Malik Reed, so they could very well be happy with these young players and want to free up some cap space and move on from Von Miller. And if so, I think the Bills should be interested in him. With that said, are they willing to give him a two-year, $31 million deal with $23 million in guaranteed money. I don't know. They didn't give it to J.J. Watt. Why should I believe they would give it to Von Miller? I'm interested in Von Miller because I think this is a critical need for the Bills. And we'll get more into this when I talk draft, but if you truly identify this as a critical need for the team, you probably need to go after some known commodities. And known commodities come in the form of veterans. Hoping Jerry Hughes continues to play at a high level. Hoping Mario Addison bounces back. Hoping A.J. Epinesa takes a step forward. That's not a plan. That's not a plan. That's not upgrading. There's part of me that fears that could be what the Bills do. And if we go into camp with Hughes, Addison, Murphy, Johnson, and a mid-round draft pick, They didn't really do anything to change the dynamics. They said status quo is fine. We'll hope that Addison bounces back. We'll hope there's no decline from Hughes. We'll hope that Epinesa takes a step. Maybe Daryl Johnson does too, and we strike gold on some mid-round rookie. We'll see. Time's got to play out here, right? The Bills will have a chance to explore the market and make moves but you feel like J.J. Watt screamed process player, like the type of guy they would want to bring in. You know, you'd think J.J. Watt would want to be part of the Bills, and they lost out to Arizona. Ryan Kerrigan's another name that's interesting to me. He had a down year with Washington, though. Getting up there in age a little bit, around 32, 33 years old. In recent drafts, they brought in Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Played a much smaller percentage of the snaps than usual did Kerrigan, and he wasn't as effective last year. Can you get him on a one-year modest deal and hope that he bounces back? I'd be interested in trying that. Carl Lawson from the Cincinnati Bengals, 25 years old. A player that I love coming out of Auburn, had a ton of injuries at Auburn. Has had injuries in the NFL, but he's been a pretty effective situational pass rusher for the Bengals. Pro Football Focus estimates that Lawson will receive a deal that pays him $55 million over four years. Are they willing to give that money to Carl Lawson, a kind of a part-time player? I'd be interested, but are the Bills? I'm not sure. Yannick Ngakwe. 26 years old, a very dynamic pass rusher. PFF says that he's likely to get a deal around four years, $70 million. I'm not sure if they're going to give that to him, but he's certainly an option, a guy that can really affect the passer, bring speed and burst off the edge. 
Melvin Ingram from the Los Angeles Chargers. He's a player I'm interested in, 32 years old. PFF estimates that he'll get a two-year, $20 million deal. I can stomach that. I can stomach that very easily. So Kerrigan, Ingram, those seem like viable options. I'm not sure if Lawson or Ngakwe are players that the Bills will be in because I'm not sure they're going to pay that type of money out to a pass rusher. But Ingram and Kerrigan as veterans, they interest me. Trey Hendricks from the New Orleans Saints, 26 years old, coming off a great year. PFF estimates that he's going to get a deal four years, $48 million. I like Hendrickson a good bit. It's funny, they uh, they made that move up the draft in 2018 to go get Marcus Davenport to be the guy opposite of Cam Jordan. Trey Hendrickson's been better than him in all three seasons and you know had a great 2020 season for New Orleans, and I think he's going to get a bunch of money on the market. Another guy that's somewhat interesting and seems like he could be available now that Arizona has signed J.J. Watt is Hassan Reddick, 26 years old. PFF estimates he'll get a deal one year, $8.5 million. He's only got one year of production that matters, right? He's kind of been a bust up to this point, but that dude had like 13 and a half sacks this past year and brings speed off the edge. And I think you can do some stuff off ball with him, have him play in space a little bit in addition to rushing the passer. So if he's not finding that big payday that he probably hopes he gets coming off of that big year, bring him in on a one-year deal and see what can happen there. So the players that I'm most interested in in free agency, now keep in mind there could be more players that are released, which we expect to happen because so many teams are in salary cap hell and they have to get out of it. You know, there could be a lot more players hitting the market, but Ryan Kerrigan... Von Miller, if he becomes available, Melvin Ingram, Hassan Reddick are players that I'm kind of interested in on the free agent market. Now, let me tell you about some guys I'm not interested in. Jadavion Clowney. I want nothing to do with Jadavion Clowney. Nothing to do with him. He's been a paycheck player since the moment he walked into the NFL. Always injured. Always injured. And you're seeing teams not wanting to commit to him. Houston didn't want to commit to him. Seattle didn't want to commit to him. Obviously, things did not work out in Tennessee. Meanwhile, he's aging, and the injury stuff just keeps piling on. He's not a process player, not great for the locker room. I'm not interested in Jadavion Clowney. Bud Dupree from the Pittsburgh Steelers, another player that I'm not super high on. I think he's a better fit for a 3-4 defense. I think he's an effort player that thrived playing alongside, you know, Cam Hayward and Stephen Tuitt and TJ Watt. I don't know about him being the lead pass rusher and paying him probably like $20 million a year. Plus, he got hurt last year. Matthew Judon from the Baltimore Ravens, not interested. He feasted on a blitz-heavy scheme and manufactured pressure. I'm not in on paying him $16, $17, $18 million a year. Leonard Floyd, not interested in him. Situational pass rusher, screams player that'll be overpaid. Not a great scheme fit for a 4-3 defense. A name that I keep seeing come up, and I recognize that he had a good year last year, 
but I'm not sold as Romeo Arquara from the Detroit Lions. He's the type of player that I think is going to get paid a good amount of money coming off of a 10-sack of a season, but he's the type of player that I think you always want to try to avoid contracts like this. Paying a guy for one great year and then committing a sizable amount of your cap to a middling average type player. I think these are the exact types of contracts you want to avoid. So I'm not super high in on Romeo Aquara, who you know could get a deal in the $10, $12 million a year range. So when it comes to veterans, like I said, Kerrigan, I'm interested in Ingram, Redick on the right type of deal. And based on the contract that it appears they did not give J.J. Watt, I don't know that they're going to be in on a Carl Lawson or a Yannick Ngakwe or a Trey Hendrickson. So we'll see. Obviously, things can change, but I feel like Brandon Bean very much has his limits on players, and he's not going to go over them. And I think he's proven that with the ways that he's navigated through free agency and the messaging that he's delivered about free agency. He's not going to go. He's not going to break the bank for guys. And um, I think that's something to be mindful of as we craft our wish lists for what he can get done in free agency. Keep in mind, the Bills right now don't have any cap space. So any player that we're talking about bringing in, corresponding moves have to happen because the Bills don't have any money. And I say that with two starting offensive linemen set to become free agents in John Feliciano and Daryl Williams. So (laughs) it's a difficult proposition. You're talking about bringing in a player from outside the organization. Meanwhile, you have your own free agents to deal with, and you don't have any cap space. You could talk about releasing players to create space, but a lot of times when you suggest that, you create a hole in doing so. So there's no easy solution. My messaging today and my ideas are more what the Bills can do, not so much how. Because that layer, that's for Brandon Bean to figure out. He's got he's got a tough task ahead of him to re-sign these critical players, you know, and find upgrades on the roster. It's not an easy year to do it. I'm really disappointed in the NFL for how they're handling this salary cap situation. I haven't really got into this very much on this podcast, but I have on draft dudes where I mean, the NFL makes billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars. The richest people in the world own these football teams. How on earth are they so reliant on year-to-year cash flow to run this multi-billion dollar a year organization? How on earth is it so contingent year-to-year on cash flow? How did you not have reserves built up? One year where we have... No attendance, basically, causes you to go from having a salary cap of 210 or $215 million back down to 180 That's not good for anybody. That's not good for the teams. That's not good for the players. You're going to have all these good football players that are not going to get market deals because there's no cap space to give these guys. Because these billionaires didn't think of having a reserve fund or aren't willing to run one year at a deficit, they are staring at mega, mega billions of dollars in TV revenue that's coming on all these reworked deals. 
They couldn't level this out somehow and not put people in this type of a position, not put these players in this type of a position, these teams in this type of a position. This isn't good for anyone. So yeah, I have a lot of criticism towards the NFL for not ever anticipating a rainy day would come and that the cap would just always be increasing. Not with this type of cash flow that's coming in and out. I'm quite disappointed in it. RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. So let's talk about NFL draft options, particularly pick 30 overall. Before we get into specific players, I have some ideas that I need to deliver first when we talk about filling a critical need with a late first-round pick for a team that is a contender. Let's go back to last year. We knew going into that offseason, priority number one for the Bills was to score more points. And the way that they needed to do that was find a bona fide number one wide receiver. So that Bills owned pick 23 overall in the first round. And we were spending a lot of time talking about the different wide receivers they could pursue in the draft to be that number one guy. Was it Henry Ruggs or Jerry Judy? Was it C.D. Lamb? Those were the consensus top three wide receivers. And it became clear as you work through scenarios that the Bills weren't going to be able to get any one of those three at pick number 23. So then you start to think, well, are there other options? Jalen Rager, Brandon Ayuk, Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, LaVisca Chenault. Well, maybe, maybe they could become the number one receiver for the Bills, but this is kind of a critical year for the team. Josh Allen needs to take a step forward. You want to run more 10 personnel, 11 personnel, right? You got to have, you got to have more options. So Brandon Bean went the trade route, gave up that pick and some other picks as well to go get Stefan Diggs, who was that answer, right? He was absolutely the answer that the Bills were looking for to fill a critical need. I don't know if the Bills view edge rush as a critical need to the level of a number one wide receiver last year, but I have some concern about filling this need with a rookie at pick 30 overall. Let's look back at all of the drafts since 2013 and examine the defensive ends 
that were drafted in the last 25% of the first round. So picks 24 to 32. In 2019, Montez Sweat, number 26 overall, who I think is going to be a good player. And if he didn't have that heart condition, I think he would have been picked in the top half of the first round. 2019, LJ Collier was the Seattle Seahawks pick at number 29 overall out of TCU. In 2017, Tack McKinley, 26 overall to the Atlanta Falcons. He's been a bust. LJ Collier, by the way, it's too young into his career, but it doesn't look good for him. In 2017, Taco Charlton, pick number 28 overall to the Dallas Cowboys. He's been a bust. I think he's been on like three or four teams by now. 2014, Marcus Smith to the New York Jets, number 26 overall, bust. 2013, Bjorn Werner, 24 overall to the Colts, bust. 2013, Dayton Jones, number 26 overall, bust. There's not a very good track record with picking defensive ends with the bottom 25% of the picks in the first round. The top guys, the Chase Youngs, the Nick Boses, the Miles Garretts, the Khalil Max, those guys go early. That doesn't mean it's the only place you can find impact pass rushers. But the end of the first round is kind of no man's land. It's guys with traits, but they weren't quite good enough to be a top 15 pick. It seems like the, the better option is to go with guys on day two or strike gold on a toolsy guy somewhere early on day three. The Bills are picking 30, which I think is complete no man's land for getting an impact pass rusher. So maybe you're thinking, well, trade up. Trade up in the draft. Go get that guy. I want to remind you of the trade that went down in 2018 between the Packers and the Saints. The Saints moved up from pick 27 to get to number 14 so they can get defensive end Marcus Davenport. Davenport has not worked out, but that's besides the point. What I care about right now is looking at that compensation to give us an idea of what it would take for the Bills to move from 30 to somewhere in the middle of the first round. Because it cost the Saints, obviously, pick 27, a fifth-round pick, and their first-round pick the following year. So if you want the Bills to move up for a pass rusher from 30 to 16 or 30 to 15, you're talking about giving up a five and your first-round pick in 2022. So just keep that in mind if you think that's something that should be on the table. If you believe in one of these pass rushers and think it's worth it and you're going to get big-time impact and you want to give up two first-round picks to go get this player, be my guest. That's not for me, though. So who are the options? Who are the players in this draft that are worth pick 30 or earlier? I can come up with four players that I think are worth pick 30 in the first round at defensive end. So I'm going to tell you who those four players are, and you're probably going to be wondering about other prospects that are maybe on your mind that you've heard about or read about or studied. If it's not one of these four players, as of right now, I don't think they're, they're worth pick 30. 
Now, I do have to say one thing. I have not studied Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma yet, so maybe that's the guy that I'll settle in on. But I know that he had a suspension and some weird stuff that happened this year at Oklahoma. I got to dig in a little bit deeper. I got to watch the tape. But this this comes to you from the perspective of I have not watched Ronnie Perkins yet from Oklahoma. So who are those four players? Quiddy Pay from Michigan, Jalen Phillips from Miami, Aziz Ojolari from Georgia, and Gregory Rousseau from Miami. Now here's the problem with all of those guys. Quiddy Pay would love that pick. Love that pick. He's got crazy athleticism, powerful hands, really, really twitched up and fluid. Converted running back, he's like 277 pounds, rare athleticism, and you could tell he's just scratching the surface for how good he can be. He's not getting to 30. He's going to be gone by pick. I mean, if he gets past the Raiders, I'd be floored. So that's the guy. If you want to go all in and trade up, that's the guy you want to go get. Next player, Jalen Phillips from Miami. There are too many red flags with Phillips that makes me comfortable believing that he would be the pick for the Bills. From a talent perspective, off the charts. He's probably one of the 10 or 12 most talented players in the draft, just based on talent, skill. Unbelievable tape this past year at Miami. Really, 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 really good football player with great traits. Size, athleticism, flexibility, length. He's got it all. Good run defender, too. Too many red flags for me to think that he's a candidate for the Bills. His dismissal from UCLA is very concerning. His injury history, very, very concerning. He actually medically retired from football at one point. And there's other stuff that I'm not going to get into because I'm not, I'm just, I'm not that type of mouthpiece when it comes to information on draft prospects. But I do think that there are too many red flags, things that are known well across the board and other things that I know that make me believe that Jalen Phillips will not be an option for the Bills. The next guy, Aziz Ojolari from Georgia. Twitched up, a lot of flexibility. I think he's got a high ceiling as a pass rusher. He's 240 pounds. I I mean, just does not fit the mold of a Sean McDermott defensive end. And like he's more of a rush outside linebacker in a 3-4. I just don't see the path for him to fit this style of defense the Bills want to employ. So I'm interested in him as a pass rusher, but if the Bills were more multiple in terms of their fronts, did more hybrid looks, sure, I can get behind it. But right now, just based on him being 6'3", 240, redshirt sophomore from Georgia, I don't know that there's a clear fit to him being a Buffalo Bill. The last guy is Gregory Rousseau from Miami. He had a big-time year in 2019 as a, red, as a redshirt sophomore. He opted out of the 2020 season. He is more tools than anything. He's long. He's athletic. But goodness gracious, he's an extremely raw football player. From a technique perspective, processing, you know, pass rush repertoire, it's really incomplete. I love the length. I love his ability to unhinge and get involved in the backfield. 
but his technique is so unrefined. He only has one year of production. He's like a converted safety from high school. And he opted out of this year. We just we haven't seen enough from him for me to number one feel comfortable picking him this high in the draft without some reservation. But number two, understanding that you're looking for an immediate answer here at pass rusher. So if you're willing to wait like three years to get the ceiling from Greg Rousseau, then sure, be patient and make the pick. But I don't know that you're getting anything from him as a rookie. And it might take another season, season and a half for him to really start making an impact in the NFL. He's got a lot of work to do. So as you can see, these options at pick 30, they're not, nothing's clear to me. Like I said, I need to watch Ronnie Perkins. There's other pass rushers in this draft. I think they're more day two players. Guys that you would rather trade way back and target one of them, collect some extra draft capital, and go from there. But I don't think there's an answer at pick 30, to be completely honest with you. And again, is this that critical need that the Bills have to address? You probably want to go back to that free agent market. Well, you go back to that free agent market, and it gets expensive. And you start have to wonder how they can make it work. And what concessions do they have to make? The real root of this problem is that Brandon Bean whiffed on this opportunity he had last year to craft this defensive end rotation. Because Mario Addison didn't work out. He held on to Trent Murphy, who didn't help the football team. And like Jerry Hughes just continues to be a steady player. Hopefully, A.J. Epinesa can turn into a quality starter, but I don't think he's going to be like a bonafide difference maker, alter game plans, keep offensive coordinators up at night type player. I think he can be a good serviceable starter, but I don't think he's got that type of ceiling. So Brandon Bean's got some work to do to get this pass rush situation figured out. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think status quo is good enough. I don't. So there's my ideas. We'll certainly get into some of the deeper options in the draft, guys that they could target on day two, even early day three. But I don't think pick 30 is going to come in and be that difference maker we're looking for at defensive end. Will be interesting to see what happens. That'll do it for us today, folks. Hope you enjoyed this discussion. I probably created more questions in your mind than I did provide answers, but I just want to be honest about the way I feel about these situations and talk about ideas. And uh, I think we did that today here on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, I kindly ask that you share, subscribe, rate, and review. And I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.